Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna me for my ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna me for my ambition. If you'd like to call in and talk about Steph Curry and talk about what happened 
in that game, please feel free to do so. Again, the phone number is 323-642-1558. In the Seat Geek studio, my name is Simo Buckets. Again, we do picks here as well. We will make our picks for tonight's games here on the Hoopers Log. We'll talk about those uh, near the end of the show, obviously, as we always do. Today is a long, drawn-out episode. We'll be talking heavy college basketball, prepping you for all the conference tournaments and when they begin. And then also, starting tomorrow, we'll give you all of the scores as of when they come. So we'll be getting that to you as soon as possible per day. Don't expect super long shows. We're just going to run through scores per conference tournament game per day. It's going to be a lot, but guess what? You're here on the Hooper's Log to hear it all, and you're here to start it and get it going. Kevin Hart, where are you at, Kevin Hart? I can't find you. Kevin Hart, get it going. All right, all right, all right. We're going to learn today. Again, episode 81 here on the Hooper's Log. My name is Simo Buckets. Apologies for the, the technical difficulties there at the beginning. The phone number in the SeatGeek studios is 323-642-1558. In the world of the NBA on a Friday from over the weekend on Friday. We're talking about the NBA first, then we'll talk about college basketball. Obviously, as March Madness is literally tomorrow. We'll start it all tomorrow uh, on the world of college basketball, but we'll prep you later on. Uh, what happened in the world of basketball over the weekend on Friday? The Hornets beat the Pacers and Kemba Walker's win over the Pacers, 96-95, a big win there for the Charlotte Hornets. Again, Marvin Williams had a fantastic game, 26 points, 13 rebounds. He was unbelievable in that one. Obviously, Kemba Walker getting the game winner. Paul George also had 32.6 rebounds and four assists, another outstanding game by him. The Wizards beat the 76ers. John Wall, Whiteboard with the performance, 23 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds, 8.53 on the Whiteboard with the performance scale. John Wall absolutely went off. And the Wizards got another victory. Knicks beat the Magic 108-95. to Chris Dapsporzingis has kind of fallen off the Rookie of the Year conversation. But the Knicks are still hovering in that, in that conversation for a potential spot. I don't think they'll get into the postseason, but they have definitely played out of their mind this year. The Cavaliers and Raptors. You talk about a game of one of the best games I've seen all year. I saw the final five minutes of this one, and I'm telling you, I don't think this is what's going to happen during the whole rest of the season in the NBA, but I'll tell you, it was definitely one of the more impressive ones as Kyle Lowry went off in this one, and he hit the game winner. superstar and that night uh, last night on, or excuse me on Friday night Kyle Lowry proved it uh, an unbelievable performance 43 points you heard a career high nine assists five rebounds and four steals a 70 on the whiteboard performance scale not performance of the night though as Chris Paul went off 
40 points, 13 assists, eight rebounds, and two steals. You heard there, obviously, the uh, the the uh, the Toronto Raptors beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in Toronto, 99 to 97. A big time victory there for the Toronto Raptors. Now only two games back as of Friday in the NBA Eastern Conference. The Hawks beat the Bulls 103 to 88. Uh, 103 to 88. The Hawks beating the Bulls again. The Bulls playing not not that great. But also factor in there's a guy in, in Chicago stepping up his ball game and Dougie McBucket. Uh, D- Doug McDermott stepping up his ball game there for the uh, Chicago Bulls. He's playing outstanding basketball as of late. Um, we'll talk about him more on the show, but the Hawks took the victory 103-88. to The Mavericks beat the Nuggets 122-116. to Chandler Parsons, 27 points. He went off in this one. Obviously, Kenneth Reed had a double-double with 20 points and 12 rebounds, but it wasn't enough. The Mavericks went to their 11th overtime game this year in that one. Isn't that incredible? There are 82 games in the regular season, and the Dallas Mavericks have played 11, 11 overtime ball games. It's unbelievable to hear that that's the case there for the Mavericks. They win 122 to 116 and the Clippers like I mentioned Chris Paul 40 points 13 assists eight rebounds and two steals a 76 on the whiteboard worthy performance scale absolutely dominating a star worthy performance there by Chris Paul Uh, we will have our top 10 performances of the month of February tomorrow Uh, at the end of the show we'll fly through them obviously we have conference play coming up for college basketball uh, conference tournament coming up. We, it will be insane stuff tomorrow, but we will give you our top 10 performances in the white board, the performance scale over the month of February next uh, tomorrow, obviously. And then the uh, in that game as well against the Clippers, Boogie Cousins, as you remember, he threw the ball at Chris Paul at the end of the game. It th- th- basically bounced the ball off him, but he got really upset and threw it at Chris Paul's head. No, no major I- anything over the top emotionally from the refs there, so thank God. But DeMarcus Cousins went off as well. 26 points, 15 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 steals, and 2 blocks, a 70 on the whiteboard, the performance scale. He was 1 assist shy of a triple-double. Another one there would have been for Boogie Cousins. And Chris Paul was only 2 rebounds shy of a triple-double. So unbelievable stuff there from both guys in that one. Uh, but the Clippers get the victory 117 to 107 again, 38 and 20 as of Friday night. Grizzlies, they beat the Lakers 112 to 95. Obviously, the Grizzlies finally getting off the schneid beating the Lakers, getting it done against teams they should beat. Again, Chris Carter just shooting threes from all over the all over the basketball court. This guy's been playing outstanding. Look, we talk about guys like Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan. We got some highlights from Tim Duncan here in a moment. But you got these legendary players who've been in the league forever. Look at a guy like Chris Carter. He's been in the league for nearly 20 years, playing the way he's been playing, and he's found a way to adjust his ball game every single time. He's, you know, every single year it feels like he's changed his, his his way of basketball. I know he comes off the bench. He's not a starter anymore. But this guy is really finding a way to just, just fill in roles on teams. He's playing unbelievable basketball as of late, and you got to give him kudos as to how well he's been performing. Uh, but the Memphis Grizzlies get the, get the ball game, get the win on Friday night, 112-95. to Saturday, for those of you that didn't know, I mean, uh, this – Friday, we did not have a good picks day. We went three and five. The only wins we had were the Knicks minus two and a half, Dallas minus five. Obviously, they got it in overtime. And then the Lakers, or excuse me, the Clippers won uh, minus 3.5. They beat the Sacramento Kings in a win. Those were only wins on Friday. It was not a good, good, not a good weekend either. We went eight and seven overall over the weekend. It was a brutal weekend when it comes to the world of picks. Uh, but Saturday we went four and four. We had Phoenix plus six and a half. We got the victory there. Golden State, uh, we got we lost that one actually. Detroit plus the one. San Antonio minus five and a half, and Portland minus four and a half. We got those four wins. The rest 
were losses on our side. The Celtics won 101-89, to a big-time victory there for the Boston Celtics. Uh, again, 35-25, and 25, hanging around in the, in the East. Again, still one of the top seeds in the Eastern Conference. They're, they're right now, right now, two games, a game and a half up on the Miami Heat for that third spot in the East. Only five games back of Toronto, so they can still hang in there and do something big uh, for the future and as time moves forward. And you're seeing it as this uh, Boston Celtics team grows as time moves forward. It's unbelievable stuff there from the Boston Celtics. They beat the Heat. Big-time victory for them as they get the victory and they move forward in the NBA. Timberwolves upset the Pelicans, 112-110. to Carl Anthony Towns, lock it up right now. He's Rookie of the Year. There's no debate. There's no debate. No one else is winning Rookie of the Year. This is the Rookie of the Year by far in the NBA. 112-110. Carl Anthony has 30 points, 15 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals. And let me remind you, he had a 62 on the whiteboard performance scale. Let me remind you, this is a 19-year-old little kid. He's putting up 30 and 15 with some of the best players in the NBA. And he's a 19-year-old little kid. He ain't little. He's 7 feet tall. But that is an, he is unbelievable. Rookie of the year, lock it up right now. This man better win it if he doesn't. Absolutely rob, absolute highway robbery. He's the best rookie in all of the NBA by far. And he might be one of the best big men in the NBA come in the next year or so. He's already up there with the top ten. Uh, he might be a top five big man here next year if he keeps pr- producing and performing the way he has been over this season. The Trailblazers, 103-95, to beat the Bulls. I mentioned we got the spread on that one. Uh, in that game against the Timberwolves as well, I forgot to mention, Brian Anderson, 31 points, 14 rebounds, and two blocks. Big-time game by him, 54 on the whiteboard, the performance skill he dominated in that one. But the, but the Trailblazers beat the Bulls, 103-95. to That was not to the dismay of Pau Gasol. He was unbelievable in this game. I'm telling you, Pau Gasol absolutely went off. One of the more monstrous triple-doubles we've ever seen. He had 22 points, 16 rebounds, 14 assists, and three blocks, a 77 on the whiteboard performance scale. That was definitely performance of the night, even though we had some unbelievable games on Saturday. Here is a clip of what Pau Gasol did. Winning ways here on the Hooper's log uh, as as the uh, as as the went off twenty two point sixteen rebounds fourteen assists three blocks and seventy seven on the whiteboard the performance scale dominating as he went off and that when Lamarcus Aldridge in a victory over the Spurs one hundred four to ninety four had the whiteboard the performance of the night in that one in that game twenty six point sixteen rebounds a fifty on the whiteboard the performance scale that'll always get you a fifty with a twenty six and sixteen. But the uh, the highlight of the night in that one was Tim Duncan making history again. 
clearly becoming one of the greatest players of all time, again, making big-time history on Saturday night. Harden on the drive, blocked by Duncan, and for Tim Duncan, that is number 3,000 of his career. Here's Tim Duncan with blocks number 3,000. That's great penetration there by James Harden, but once he opens it up, it shows the ball to Tim Duncan. He's done such a tremendous job blocking shots out of the hands of the shooters or the penetrators. How about that? 3,000. Played against Mark Eaton, the Kim Bay, the Kim Olajuwon, all those guys, towering figures. Great club to join for Timmy Duncan. Yeah, only five all time. I mean, think about that. Think, think about that. 3,000 blocks. I mean, this guy, when he came into the league back in 98, I mean, no one thought that this would be a guy who would come in and dominate the way he did. Everyone thought he'd be a great, great, great player. But to be a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest, if not the greatest player, in my opinion, the greatest player at his position ever at the power forward position, Tim Duncan dominating, playing the way he played. 3,000 blocks, only one of five players all time to do that. I mean, and what's crazy is is this this team, again, this San Antonio Spurs team, which we have him on the line, Andrew Norris, we'll get to him in a moment. This San Antonio Spurs team is now 17 straight years of 50-plus win basketball. Think about that. 15. We talk about how great the Golden State Warriors are and this, this generation of how, oh, you know, the Golden State Warriors. Are the best. People, the, the San Antonio Spurs are only three games back of the Golden State Warriors. Look. We're not it's, not, it's not November anymore. It's not December anymore. We're, we're walking into March tomorrow, and the Spurs are only three games back of the greatest start in NBA history. Think, think about that. They're, 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 they're pacing with history right now. They're not, they're not the greatest team. That, this is the greatest start in Spurs history. Think about it. the great legendary Spurs that have, been, that have dominated this league in the regular season the last 17 seasons, not every year, but majority of the seasons, and – this is their greatest start ever. This is the first time the Spurs have won their 50th game in February. I mean, just fathom that. This is, a, this is a franchise, and they have gone through rebuilding but still being successful. And what the Warriors did, and, and, and since we have Andrew Norris here on the line, we finally have, you know, 50, 50 wins for the Spurs again. I know you projected them to not win 50 games this year. I understood why you would say that. But, Andrew, what can you make of this historical moment by Tim Duncan with his 3,000th block and just, and just his Spurs team in general, 50-9 and nine after Saturday night as they win 104-94 to 94 over the Rockets? Tim Duncan's just old as all hell. <laughs> I mean, this right. guy just doesn't worse. Uh, I mean, he, he is a lot worse than he was, but he's always just solid. Like, there's the nickname Mr. Fundamental for him, and – there's a lot of Mr. Fundamentals in a lot of sports, but not to the point where you can play year after year after year when people expect you to fail and get worse, bother time to catch up to you year after year. And it does not happen because you're so fundamentally sound. I mean, it's – I was just – okay, sorry about that. Dropped my phone. Um, it, it, it's really amazing what this guy does. And I think half of half – of, Maybe 30% of what he does, the credit needs to go to Greg Popovich. Um, I mean, he was fundamentally sound since he was probably 10 years old, but keeping him fresh, keeping him healthy, keeping him young has been Greg Popovich because that's the biggest mastermind in keeping his players rested. He doesn't care when it is. 
I remember a few years ago he rested the big three and they still beat the LeBron big three Heat. And then the Heat did the same thing to the Spurs and the, the Heat players beat the Spurs. It was it was actually really entertaining. But um uh and it, Andrew, you, you there? guys still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Sorry, my phone is going crazy on me. Um and then I was uh I'm sorry. And then, so you you got to give half the credit to, to Greg Popovich and this person. Woo! Andrew fell off the line there. Uh, he will be back in just a moment. Yeah, he's having some technical difficulties. But the point is, is uh, this San Antonio Spurs team, and with that win also, it clinched a playoff spot for the Golden State Warriors because now the Rockets have fallen under 29 victories. And are around 29, I think 30 victory, uh, 30 losses now. Apologies. And now that they have 30 losses, and Golden State won their 50, had their 53rd win or their 52nd win, they instantly were granted a playoff spot as of before their game even finished on Saturday night. Look, this team in Golden State. Look, and I've mentioned it multiple hundreds of times, and I'm going to keep saying it until the cows come home, literally until the end of the season, because we won't know until the end of the season. This is the greatest start in NBA history. There's no debate. No debate. There's no debate that this is the greatest start in NBA history ever. But when it comes to greatest teams ever, we still got time to prove it. Look, this was one of the greatest games we've ever seen in basketball history between the Golden State Warriors and Oklahoma City last night. It was. Flat out, it was the best game. Andrew, you're back on the line. Is everything working for you now? I'm here. Um, I can't hear all that well for some reason, uh, but everything is working pretty pretty well, I think. I guess we'll figure we're, it out. We're, we're, we're still in the thick of winter time. we got a couple of weeks till winter is over, and March is right around the corner, so hopefully the weather clears up a little bit in Detroit for you. Plus, trust me, it was like that for me that's last not, couple of days. Anyway, that's that's crazy. It's 43 degrees and sunny here. I don't I don't. Wow. <laughs> I don't feel Pooping out on me. Yeah, that's maybe that's just what's going on. But anyway, uh, I was just talking about Oklahoma City and go, and the Golden State Warriors from last from from Saturday night. And you talk about one of the more entertaining games that I think we've ever seen. I just talked about I, I, we talked about how the Clippers game last week was so entertaining last Saturday. This game was I, I think look. And I'm going to talk about it here in a moment. We do have a highlight. Obviously, the highlight everyone's been talking about here since Saturday night. It was one of the greatest highlights probably in NBA history. Not the greatest highlight in NBA, but one of those highlights you'll sit back and say, this is why this guy was one of the best players during his time in the NBA. They do have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! With six tenths of a second remaining, the brilliant shooting of Stephen Curry continues, and he ties the NBA record with his 12th three-pointer of the game. One of those shots. I mean, think, think about this. Think about this. The, the, Steph Curry and what he did was unprecedented. 12 threes. Look, and what's crazy is I'm shocked he hasn't broken the three-point record in a game yet considering how often he he gets shots from the three-point line. Yet, 
12 threes in a game. It took to get to overtime to do it, but 12 threes in a game. He has shattered his, his, his record again for three-pointers, and there's 24 games to go. Um, look, I mean, when it comes to that shot, and I'm going to critique it real quick before I let you talk, Andrew. First of all, Golden State wins 121-118 to 118 over the, uh, the, gold, the, uh, excuse me, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And considering how that game went down and what happened, look, the Thunder had their number. Let's be honest, if Kevin Durant didn't foul out of that ball game, I think the Thunder walk away with a victory. And I don't even think it's a think. I think they do walk away with a victory. He fouled out early in overtime. Steph Curry comes down, tied 118, left in the ball game, six, seven seconds to go. Uh, let's be honest. This is okay. Impressive shot. I'll never deny one of the best highlights we've seen. But I'm going to be honest. I wasn't that impressed because Steph has done this multiple times throughout the season already, and this is something we should expect from him. And look, and that's to his that's to his credit. He's great from shooting it from long range. No one will debate that he's the greatest three point pass shooter of all time. There's no one will debate that. But when it comes to his ability to make these shots. Should we really be shocked now? And here's the thing. Would, would Steve Kerr have allowed Steph Curry to do this if they were down 117 to 118, 116 to 118? That is where the impressiveness changes for me. Because, look, tied 118, they have the ball with six seconds to go. They have a timeout to spare, as you heard in that highlight. And Steph's just like, you know what? What do we have to lose? We're the best team in the league. We're 52-5. and five. We're on the road. We're playing a really good team right now. And we're not playing our best basketball. Draymond Green blew up in the in the in the locker room, as everyone knew. Uh, they were kind of having a down, a little little bit of a mini downspin during the game. What did they have to lose? All Steph Curry decided to do was be like, "Hey, we're tied one eighteen. If I miss it, screw it. We go to a double overtime. If he makes it, well, then it's one of the greatest highlights we've ever seen, and it became one of those. And I mean, look, from the standpoint of him making the shot, still amazing." But from the standpoint of it being impressive, I really wasn't that impressed. I've seen this guy make this shot multiple times this season in the All-Star game, in games, all that. It wasn't necessarily clutch. People are saying, oh, it was unbelievably clutch. It was a great game winner. I'm like, look, it, he, didn't, he didn't make this to win the game. He, did, he won the game, but he didn't make it to, like, take the lead. They were tied. It was a, it was a no-lose situation. If he makes it, he wins. If they lose, no, if he misses it, no one remembers it, and they go to a double overtime. And if they lose, well, then whatever. It doesn't matter. It's a no-lose situation. So, unbelievable performance still by Steph Curry. 46 points, three rebounds, six assists, and he went off. Uh, 63 points, uh, two steals in that one as well. Draymond Green, he still had a wipe away performance, even though he shot atrociously from the field. He only had two points, 14 rebounds, 14 assists, six steals, four blocks. This is the man on this team really that gets them operating. And he proved it in this game. Whenever he finds a way to operate outside of scoring, he does it. And he's the guy that gets it done. Steph Curry just scored most of the points, but Draymond Green really is the battery of this team. Quickly, before I let you talk, Andrew, three other white boy performances from this one. Kevin Durant, 37 points, 12 rebounds, five assists, two blocks. Serge Ibaka, 15 points, 20 rebounds, two blocks. Didn't really have a white boy performance, but he had 20 rebounds, nonetheless unbelievable. Russell Westbrook, 26 points, 13 assists, 7 rebounds, and 2 steals, a 61. Kevin Durant had a 67. But those are your weapon worthy performances of the game. There are five of them in this one. A classic nonetheless. Andrew, what was your take from this ballgame? Well, I mean, I think it's pretty clear-cut now he's the greatest shooter to ever play the game. I think it was clear-cut before, yes. but now I don't think it's an argument for anybody else. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I uh, – 
a couple months ago, I went back. I started watching basketball from before the three-point line. And I tweeted about this today. And it yeah. was the most beautiful. It looked like the Spurs were playing the Spurs when it was the two worst teams in the league. I mean, and I think yep. basketball is much. I think the talent level now is a triple what it was 20, even 20 years ago. It made me realize, and I think it's because I'm a Steph Curry hater probably, but I hate the three-point line. It's the ultimate equalizer. Yeah. It's it's just, you know, that's not a good basketball play. And right. when I, I remember people blew up when Mark Jackson said, you know, he's not, it's not, Steph Curry isn't good for the game. But, I mean, like, when you have a six-year-old watching Steph Curry, what do you think he's going to go in the right. gym tomorrow and try to do? It's just, it's just facts. It's facts that it's not good for the game. It's not hating. It's none of that. It, nobody's going to be able to – this guy has been practicing on NBA courts since he was four years old. Okay? This guy has the least humble beginnings you'll ever hear. I mean, he was in commercials when he was six. He went to the stadium ever or the arena every single day to go play basketball with his dad. I mean, and it's not like he's – He's got this persona or this mantra on him that he's this undersized point guard. He's like six three. I mean, he's he's a he's a, a above height, average at worst point guard who grew up in the NBA around NBA players. And I might be getting a little bit off topic here, but these kids That's are going to be able to have these things that he has. The, the, the height grew up with. I mean. Del Curry had a very similar ability to shoot the three ball, except basketball was not played this way back then, okay? He was not yep. as good as his son, but he wasn't terribly far behind. You just weren't allowed to shoot as many threes back then. Um, right. It, it's, something, it, it's something I don't want to see. If they came out today and said the three-point line will no longer be part of the NBA, I would celebrate that 100%. And, and – you know, watching what the game's turning into, and it's not just Steph Curry. It's a lot of the NBA. It's J.R. Smith. It's even a little bit of LeBron who shoots far too many threes. Um, yep. it, it's just really disappointing, uh, and it's going to get worse, man. It's, I mean, it's that's not the Steph Curry hit last night. Be prepared 10 years down the road if it's going how it is. That's not going to be that uncommon of a shot to take. Right. And and, and, here, and here's the thing that and you bring up an unbelievable. I mean, the perfect point, really. Uh, you you talked about how the mentality of the three pointer was not what it is today, 20 years ago. Look, I was watching a game. Look, and I got my hair cut about a month ago, um, which uh, I'll have a YouTube video up so you can see all of my facial and everything uh, starting tomorrow. We have our YouTube uh, channel starting tomorrow, March 1st. Uh, but I want to say this because you mentioned a great point. 20 years ago, t- talent was not as special as it is today, but at the same time, uh, the mentality was different 20 years ago than it is today. And, and the frustrating part is, is the mentality 20 years ago today was, and I was, again, I was watching a game. I think it was like Magic Johnson's final like season 96 or something. And I was watching a game and guys like Anthony Peeler and other guys of that nature in the 90s, they weren't as talented as players are today. But those guys, I'm telling you, if they – did this shot from the outside? You can already tell watching those old school games when guys shot from the outside. Other guys would look at it and be like, really, man, you're going to be like that? When, like, they had wide open. Like, the thing was, was if, if you were wide open on the perimeter, 
and you just sat there and shot a three, guys would look at you and be like, really? Try that again. I'm about to knock you out the next time you come down the lane. Like, literally, that was the mentality, and you could see it in the players' faces. They're like, man, you're really going to shoot that weak little shot from the outside because it gives you more points? Try, try coming to the lane. You could see that in their faces when they would shoot the three wide open. Today, it's like, oh, it's accepted. It's loving. It's this. See, the NBA today is everyone loves each other, and everyone is, is all like, oh, my gosh, it's the greatest thing. I saw LeBron James and, and other players, Kyle Lowry, who had an unbelievable night on Friday, sticking up for Steph Curry and saying how great he is. Look, people, if Steph Curry did what he was doing now 20 years ago, do you not think he'd get his, his butt knocked out? And this is why I respect the guys on TNT a lot. Shaq, Charles Barkley, Kenny, Kenny the Jet Smith, and even Ernie Johnson was saying, look, how is he not getting touched up right now? How is he not getting at least hacked on the three-point line? Whether he makes it or not, you got to send him a message. Look, this game, sports in general, is all about sending guys message. Whether it's baseball, you got to throw a pitch at a guy's head if he shows off from time to time. You got to, you know, in football, you got to undercut his legs sometimes, or you got to hit him hard sometimes. You got to, you got to play a little dirty sometimes to get under guys' skin. And if the Warriors keep getting handed this cupcake mentality feel to them. Everyone's going to turn into this cupcake. Oh, we all love each other, and we're perfect, and we're this, and we're that. That's not the way sports is supposed to be played. I love, I love the talk that we're talking about the three-pointer and how it's starting to ruin the game. Because look, the three-pointer is—it's an anomaly. It helps. It makes it makes the game better. But it should be that. It should be used as that because, like you mentioned, twenty. 30 years ago, when you go into, when you play basketball, your objective is to get as close to the rim as possible, to get the most effective, efficient shot as possible. It's not to set up from, to the outside. That's not normally how you win. What the Warriors do is so drastically different from what the game is meant to be played that people think that that's the way the game should be played. No, 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 no. What the Warriors do is ineffective basketball, flat out. Now, they're just unbelievable from the outside. Look, watching that game like it's the Thunder, they're unbelievable outside. But you even mentioned the point. Watching the game like it was played back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you saw guys playing on the inside, and you saw multiple facets of the game playing well on the inside. We don't see that anymore because the three balls become so over-the-top used in the NBA. And then, and then it gets to the point of like, oh, Steph Curry's the greatest outside shooter of all time. Look, come on, people. You know who the logo is in the NBA? Jerry West. Look, when Jerry West played, for those of you kids that don't know, Jerry West played in an era where there was no three-pointer. Do you know how many times Jerry West hit balls from 25, 30 feet out in his career and they were not three-pointers? Jerry West would probably be the all-time scorer in NBA history. If, it, if, if there was a three-point line in his career, he would be. I, I, can, I can pretty much guarantee you that. And he would have been the guy that everyone would have looked up to and said, oh, my God, Jerry West is the greatest player I've ever seen. Instead of – I wouldn't say Michael – I wouldn't say he's better than Michael because he wasn't. But when it comes to the ability and the scoring ability of a Jerry West would have been a much higher clip because he was the original long shooter, uh, outside shooter that we all came to know in the NBA. And he would be the guy – that would be looked at more than like Steph Curry, but he didn't have the outside shot. You know, we were just talking about Tim Duncan and his 3,000 blocks. Bill Russell didn't have blocks recorded for a long amount of time in his career. In fact, I think it was entire, his entire career blocks weren't recorded. He would be up there with the greatest, and probably he'd have like a Cy Young type of number when it came to blocks because that's how many blocks he had per game. It was like 10 to 15. That's what guys were saying back in the day. It was so many blocks in a game. And all these stats that we have today, people are saying, oh, Steph Curry is the greatest year, which he is. I'll never debate that. I will never debate what we're seeing from Steph Curry is amazing. It is. It's unbelievable. But how it's ruining the game, 
Jerry West had at least look as much as we rip on, you know, obviously guys who are shooting on the outside stuff. At least Jerry West had an inside game, an outside game. He had it all. Steph Curry has an inside game, and he can get to the rack. But look, man, I'm telling you, it's coming, and it needs to come. This guy needs to get touched up. And it's been touched. It's been talked about on TNT, talked about on – ESPN doesn't talk about it because ESPN's all family and everything needs to be perfect because if it's not perfect, it's not on ESPN. But the point is, is war, the Warriors are a team that needs to get a message sent. Something needs to be sent. And I'm kind of glad that Russell Westbrook – I didn't say he intentionally stepped on his ankle in that game, but I'm kind of glad Russell Westbrook played the way he played against Steph Curry. Next time he plays him, which I believe is here in the next week or so, I'm telling you, Russ needs to just go in there and send a message. He needs to send a message to Steph Curry. Not hurt him, not be rude, not be this – play dirty. Sometimes when you play against a good team in the NFL or in, in other sports, you got to play dirty to get in their head. And this needs to happen to this team because – Clearly, they're struggling. They struggled in this game, but for the most part, a message needs to be sent. Go on, Andrew. I, you know, I don't think Russell Westbrook's the right guy to do it because then you're looking at a whole big thing of trouble. Um, yeah. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna take a shot at somebody, I think it should be somebody like Stephen Adams who can go and just kind of run at him with two arms when he goes up for a three, even if he gets called a flagrant. Yeah. Or just take, yeah. you know, kind of a. Uh, the guy off the bench like they do in hockey and just kind of have him go and get him. I mean, yeah. and I don't necessarily think that's the right idea. I think you're going to start seeing something kind of like the Curry rules, kind of like how Jordan had from the bad boy Pistons, where they're going to pick yeah. him up at half court, and, and it's they're just going to swarm him. They're going to kind of do yeah. they're going to do kind of thing that they do to LeBron when LeBron drives the lane, how they just shove two hands in his stomach and it never gets called because he just goes right through yeah. it. They're going to kind yeah. of do like a, a, a curry version of that. And it's they're going to just – it's going to get salt. It's, it, he's still going to be great. He's still going to be, you know, top five player in the league. But I do honestly believe it's going to be kind of be like the option quarterback where it's going right. to eventually get kind of geared out. Um, it's, it's something where – and just on that Bill Russell note, I just want to—I read Bill Simmons' book of basketball, and if I'm not mistaken, at one point he said people believed in the NBA Finals one year he would averaged over 20 blocks a game, which just just amazing, right? Um, right. Yeah, he would he would be the Cy Young of blocks for sure. Um, it's just—it's it, not how I want to see basketball get played. It's. I mean, and and I disagree with you on one standpoint. I don't. I think this is effective basketball to the max. Um, three points is greater than two points. Right now, the best right. post-up player is averaging point nine eight nine points per possession from the post. That would be the thirty-first worst offense in the NBA if you average that for an entire game. Thirty-first worst, point nine eight nine, and that's the best post player. Um, so, so you. I mean, three is greater than two. Three is greater than one. If you're making one out of two from the free throw line, every every two or every three two pointers you hit, you only got to hit two uh, three pointers. So if you take ten shots, you only got to hit. You, if you hit six twos, you only got to hit four threes. So it really right. evens out. How many players do you see shoot sixty percent at a high volume? Zero. How many players do you see shoot 40% from three at a high volume? Two, three, but that's more than the 60%. So if you – the Golden right. State Warriors for today's NBA are the perfect team, okay? 
There's no flaws to them, and they're taking advantage of the skill set they have, the NBA rules that are in place, and what they can yes. do as they could. Shout out to them. Moving screens aren't going to get called. Go ahead and do it. Get it. Get Steph. Get Clay open for three. They're doing that. And they should be applauded for that. But the NBA game in general, the way it's been, the way it's going, and the way it's been going, should not be applauded. And there, there needs to be something to kind of change the, the mentality of the game. And, and it, it, the thing is though, it never will. Three is more points than two, and it's that simple. And it's smart. Well, yeah. It's just kind of, especially when you go watch the old games. The old games just kind of, you're like, man. And I wish I got to watch that live because it's beautiful, man. It's it's yeah. gorgeous. It's great Popovich basketball from everybody. I won't deny one thing. The basketball in the early 2000s, I know, Andrew, you probably didn't watch much of it, but it was getting to a point where defense was getting so uh, specialized, whereas, like, guys were coming off the bench to just play defense, and then everyone was playing. Like, rotations would come in just to play defense in the early 2000s, and it got boring. It got bad, like – Scores were becoming like, you know, you'd see, you'd see playoff scores like 71 to 68. It was getting bad for how boring it was. And I won't deny that, but at the same time, you know, the NBA had a form of, of I guess, the way the game was, was played. And, and I agree with you. The, the Warriors are effective, and they're taking advantage of the system. They are, and they're, and they're, doing, it the right, they're doing it the right way with the way the NBA is giving them. I'm not denying that. And that is a problem with what the NBA needs to fix. And it's not, it's not that the Warriors have a problem. They're amazing. I, I will never deny and sit here and say the Warriors do not take advantage of, the, of their weaknesses because they do. They do. And that's what great teams are supposed to do. But when you get into the meat and the bones and the potatoes of things, of, you know, when it comes to really great teams, you know, I still sit back and I say, when I look at a legendary team, who have they played, what have they done, and what era have they played in? And I look at the era and I think, the era is very outside-driven. There's nothing wrong with that. It's effective. It's more effective than it would be, you know, 20 years ago when the outside shot wasn't as valued. I understand, and that makes sense. But at the same time, where – what's that? The talent-wise, in, in the be, as far as good teams go, right. this is the best era in NBA history. Yeah, when it comes to talent, absolutely. But when it comes to, I think, chemistry – and when it comes to, I think, teams, I think the bad teams in the NBA now do not play as hard as the bad teams played about. And I'm not sitting here and trying to defend the Clippers from the 90s. Don't sit here and think I'm trying to say that. I think I honestly think the 76ers today are just as bad as the, Lakers, as the Clippers were from back in the day. But when I mean by bad teams, I mean by teams like the, like the Nets. The Nets are a perfect example. Look, the Nets in this era would destroy a team from, you know, an earlier day. And that's, and that's equivalent. But I also think, I think that a bad team in the NBA from the night, and I'm talking, not talking about the Clippers. I'm talking about teams, you know, teams that were in the middle bottom pack of the NBA. I think they would have actually played harder on off nights than teams that played worse than today. And that's no knock. And that's not saying that they're less talented or more talented or any of that. I'm just, I'm just saying like from the standpoint of when it comes to effort and things of that nature, and that's not questioning the Warriors, their effort and other teams playing the Warriors. That's not questioning any of that. It just comes to, like you said, eras. I think the game was played talent-wise way more today, but the game was played at a better clip back then than it was. Because I also think today pretty much every player in the NBA has all of – they can all dribble. They can all do something special. They, can, they all have a fancy move. They all can at least get to the rim. and an off. Back in the day, you, you didn't have that. But, but guys were utilized for what their strengths were back then. Today, 
it's like when you see coaches implementing these talented players, they don't know ultimately what their strength is because they've become this overall player that they don't really suit the needs of what they need when it comes to a role. That also affects egos. That also affects other things in the, in the game. And that's not to say that not everyone's more talented today than they were 20 years ago because they are. But when it comes to roles and, and taking advantage of those roles, I don't think those roles are being utilized the way they could be. And so that's why when people say, oh, the NBA is not as good as it was 20, you know, it's not as good as it was 20 years ago. Look, look, I think also that's old people talking, but I also think they have a point in saying that roles were not, are not utilized like they should be 20 years ago. 20 years ago, the Bulls, look, there was a lot of guys on that team who were not talented. Look, let's just be honest. They weren't very, very talented. Like Steve Kerr, let's be honest. Steve Kerr was not the most talented player on the floor. He was kind of like Steph Curry today. He could shoot. That's about it. Now, Steph Curry can do more than that, but that's because the talent level is higher in the NBA today. But that's, you know, you had guys like Tony Kukoc, had a down low post, he could play a little bit at the perimeter defense. That was about it. Couldn't dribble, couldn't take the ball up the floor. You got guys like Kevin Durant who were 6'9", dribbling the ball up the floor, taking the ball up the floor, running point from time to time, and he's 6'9", and he's lengthy as hell. That, does, that, that would not have been outside of Magic Johnson. Yeah, easy. And, and, his, and his arm span is like 7'4". Like, these guys are coming up and down the floor with, with immense amount of talent. You know, and you saw it from guys like KG, Kevin Garnett started it. You saw it from guys like, you know, LeBron, obviously, uh, early on in his career, really got that flow going. And you're seeing it a lot in the NBA. But I, what people are trying to say from the standpoint of the NBA not being as good is I think that the roles are not being as implemented as they were like, like they are today. I think, I think roles are lost in the NBA today. I think you really see, in the, in, and the Warriors are a perfect example of that. And, and the Heat from two or three years ago are a perfect example of that, except I think the Heat actually implemented roles better than the Warriors do. I think the Warriors, when their guys come off the bench, outside of Maurice Spates, really, Sean Livingston is a guy that can play on a team right now and start. Is he, would he be great? No. But he could start for the Suns right now with their injured backcourt. He could start. He could start for the Nets right now. You know, back in the day, you would say that the bench players were strictly bench players, like the Bulls in the 90s. I don't think you could. I don't think you can make the case ever that any of those guys off the bench could start for other teams. Maybe except for maybe a Horace Grant. He he started most of the time. But for, what I'm trying to say is, guys off the bench really didn't start in the NBA back then. Today, you got guys coming off the bench on the on the Warriors. They could start on many teams. That's because I think the roles aren't as solidified as they were 20 years ago. Because back in the day, you knew you were a bench player, you knew you were good enough, and you knew that's what your role was. Today. And again, the Warriors don't don't take it that way because they're a complete team. But you've got teams like the Grizzlies, for example. They've got guys off their bench that can start on teams. And I think that, like Lance Stevenson, he thinks he can start. He has an ego. He's not a good example. But it, it becomes like those guys who are really good at what they do, they think they can actually play with the big boys when in reality they should be a bench player. So it's like an ego thing that meshes. And that's not to say that's never been an issue in the NBA because it has. But, it, but I think today it's more evident, and maybe it's because of social media, maybe it's because of how much, how much media and news we have on players today and teams in general that we think that we see all these things. But I think that rules are less solidified today than they were, uh, uh, you know, 20 years ago. Andrew, is there anything else you want to say from this game? Are you heading back to work? Andrew, you there? All right. Uh, hey, I can't hear you, Andrew, at all. Um, but I want to get to these other games real quick. 
Um, I want to get to the games real quick uh, before we move forward. Uh, the Suns beat the Grizzlies uh, on Saturday, 111-106, to 106, breaking their 12-game losing streak, finally get it done there. Nets beat the Jazz 98-96, to 96, uh, finally again coming off the Schneid. 17-42 now are the Nets as they beat the Jazz in Utah. Andrew, is there anything else you want to say from Saturday night? Uh, I just want to see a game where Kevin Durant gets to play the entire time. And then, you know, we already did, but I want to see right. one more. Well, let's yeah. go. Let's do I think it. it'll be. All right, let's go. Okay. All right, so Cavs beat the, Cavs beat the Wizards 99. Uh, excuse me. Cavs lose to the Wizards last night, 99-113. John Wall had the only way forward performance of the night yesterday on Oscar Sunday. He got the Oscar of the night, you could say, in the NBA. He had 21 points, 7 rebounds, and 13 assists. Believe that was a 52 on the whiteboard with the performance scale. If I'm not mistaken, actually it was a 54 because he because he also had the 13 assists uh, that adds up to 26, 21, so it's 47 plus 7 equals 54. So that's a 54 on the whiteboard with the performance scale. John Wall getting it done, beating the non-LeBron Cavs. Think about this: they only beat the Cavs by 14. Okay, if you had LeBron James there, the Cavs win by 10. It's just that simple, people. Look, this is why LeBron James is still one of the best players in the NBA. The Cavs are really a mediocre team without him. They really are. I mean, you've got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. That's about it. Kevin Love, where did he play before the Cavs? Played on a bad Wolves, T-Wolves team. They were a 31 team at best. That's kind of what the Cavs would be without LeBron James. And you saw it last night. The, the Wizards are, very, are just very underachieving this year. And the Cavs lost because LeBron wasn't there. Hawks beat the Hornets 87 to 76. Pistons beat the beat the uh, Raptors 114 to 101. Again, the Pistons they keep playing well against these really good teams, man. I'm telling you, if they get into the postseason as a bottom seed, I really don't see how they be how they wouldn't be the most feared team in the bottom seed of the Eastern Conference. Trailblazers beat the Pacers 111 to 102. Magic beat the 76ers 130 to 116. Mavericks over the Timberwolves 128 to 101. And then the Heat beat the Knicks 98. To 81. Uh, Andrew, anything else outside of the Golden State Warriors over the weekend that you saw um, that was impressive to you? Uh, of course, go Pistons. Let's just start there. Uh, back yeah. in the playoffs. Uh, back tied for the eight seed. Only four games back of the three seed, man. So, I mean, they're, they're not right. out of uh, a top half seed either. Um, probably going to be the most feared bot- out of the bottom four seeds going into the playoffs, like you said. Um, but that that's that's exciting. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm ready to preview tonight because I don't I don't even you're, we're gonna do our picks, and you're gonna have to tell me some of the games because I uh, don't have any internet right now. Yeah. So we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it live, man. We're doing it live. Do it live. All right, uh, like good, good old Bill O'Reilly there. Uh, anyway, uh, no, I want to ask you one question real quick before we do preview these games. Uh, we're talking about how Will Barton was potentially the sixth man of the year in the NBA, and I, I still wouldn't be upset if that was the pick. But there's a guy in Chicago, and, and think about this, Doug McDermott. He has been coming on strong off the bench for this Bulls team. I mean, he has been playing outstanding this season. Over the last couple of games, he's been averaging about, you know, the last week or so, he's been averaging about 15 to 18 points a ball game. From time to time, he gets 20, 25 points in a game. He's been playing very well for this Bulls team. If this Bulls team can find a way to get into the postseason, especially with the loss of Jimmy Butler here over the next couple of weeks, and they can still tread water and get into the postseason as Doug McDermott is playing the way he's playing, do you think he has an opportunity to win sixth man of the year? No, not not a chance. Um, he, he's been doing above average for 
like you said, two weeks a week. Um, I, I don't think I don't think you'll see him anywhere near that six man. I don't think he's in the top five. I, I, I like I said, I don't have internet, so I do wonder: is he even averaging like nine points a game on the season? Will you look up his average for the season for me? I mean, it's he, he's been hot, but it's not like he's been six man of the year. You got to be consistent. That's part of. I think that's like one of the main parts of it. Even if you're a chucker, you got to consistently be a chucker and score a bunch of points. Um, so, it, it, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. If so, I would be extremely shocked, but I don't think he's even in the running. You're right. I mean, he's only averaging nine points a game. He's averaging uh, – he's averaging – he's shooting 42% from the three-point line, which is pretty impressive. I know it's, you know, the NBA today, it's like 45% better. is more impressive. He's shooting 88% from the free-throw line. The thing is, though, over these last – like, you know, like I've said, over these last two weeks, he's been very, very impressive with the loss of Jimmy Butler. And I'm telling you, if Jimmy Butler comes back and over this next month and a half and they can find a way to creep back up into that conversation in the playoffs, who's to say that he can't potentially be a sixth man of the year? And I agree with you. I think Will Barton still is uh, – I still think Will Barton is the uh, is the uh, sixth man of the year, in my opinion. But uh, Doug McDermott's making some splashes here. Again, who a guy who really did not play well in his rookie year – has come out and really improved a lot this season. He's been playing pretty inspiring basketball for the most part. Okay, games in the NBA tonight. Games in the NBA tonight, I believe there are, if I'm not mistaken, there are seven basketball games. Pacers at Cavaliers on NBA TV. No nationally televised games today, just NBA TV games. Uh, Pacers, Cavaliers. Cavs are favored by, I have it at eight and a half, but on ESPN it says eight. Uh, I'm taking the Cavs minus the eight. Look, I mean, look, I know the Pacers have been playing outstanding basketball. I know they've been playing really, really well. Uh, but the Indiana, but the Indiana Pacers, look, I mean, they don't play well on the road. They're 13 and 17 on the road. LeBron James is coming back fully healthy, ready to go, ready to get it going. This Cavs team only lost by 14 last night to the Wizards. That's not to say the Wizards are the same as the Pacers, but I mean they're kind of in the same category. The Pacers are much better in my opinion, obviously. But the, but but Paul George and LeBron James will be very fun to watch on NBA TV. The Cavs are favored, but I just take the Cavs because look, LeBron's coming back healthy. They're going to play well. They're at home. They should they should be inspired to get 42 wins. They're going to be fine. I think the Cavs will dominate in this one and they'll win big. I think they'll get it done. Andrew, what are you seeing that one? Yeah, I'm taking the Cavs in that one as well. Uh, I think they're pissed off. I think that's going to be the biggest factor. Um, yeah. You hear J.R. Smith talking about leadership. That's when you know it's bad. Um, right. I think they're pissed. I think they're going to play pissed off the rest of the year. I bet you. I, I, if I had to predict right now, I'd say this team loses five games the remainder of the of the regular season. Um, yeah. And I think they blow out Indiana tonight. All of that plus the fact that if Indiana loses tonight, the Pistons are tied for the sixth Well, losing and losing five and losing five games the rest of the season is not far fetched at this point. I mean, there's only about what what they're at they're at game fifty eight. They're at game fifty nine tonight. I mean, after that, there's only twenty there's only twenty three more games to go. I mean, five twenty uh, eighteen and five the rest of the way is not a far fetched thing to say at this point. I th- I could see that happening, and, and and this team with the way they're constructed now. And with how they've been put together and how they've – I mean, I know they've been struggling the last week, but outside of the last couple of games, they have been playing really, really good basketball. And when they're on and when they're healthy, they're a really scary bunch to play. And they, I think a lot of this, this, this conversation of them having some uh, chemistry issues or having some issues with leadership, I, don't, I think that's all hogwash. I think they're fine. I, I just think LeBron James was hurt last, 
last night, or he was he just needed a, a rest break. And I think down the stretch, he's, you're going to see a LeBron James who's really going to take over for this team. He's going to go off tonight. I think he's going to go off for like 38-5. and five. He's going to dominate tonight, and he's going to get that victory for the Cavs. They're going to win by 10. I think it's going to happen, and I think the Cavs win big. Next game on the docket, 76ers at Wizards. Look, the Wizards are favored by 12.5. I don't know why. They just beat, the, they just beat a LeBron-less Cavs team last night by 14. Look, think about that. They beat a LeBron-less team by 14, and I was just mentioning how the, how the Cavs with Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving are literally pretty much a, 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 a carbon copy of what they were a year before LeBron came to the team. 30 wins, 28 wins, 30-win team. They're a below-average team, and the Wizards only won by 14. Look, the Wizards should have dominated them by 20. And they barely beat him. And this is a this is the second night of a back to back back to back. They're coming back home, or if I'm not mistaken, they're already they're, it's just a back to back game. Either way, the 76ers are coming in with their team and who they have down low. They're not that strong. Where the 76ers really strength have their strength, which is Nerlens Noel and Jaleel Okafor. I think they're going to play fine. I think I don't think they're going to win. I think the 76ers are going to play it close. I think it'll be like an eight-point ball game, but the Wizards are favored by 12-and-a-half. I think that line is a little out of, out of control. I think it's a little too high. Now, if the Wizards were favored by eight, I'd say it's a little bit more difficult. But considering the 76ers are, only, are, are underdogs by 12-and-a-half, I'd take that 12-and-a-half all day and watch the 76ers keep it close. I mean, that's what I think is going to happen. Andrew, what do you see in that one? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this. I think the Wizards really played their hardest the first three quarters last night. Um, and they dominated yeah. the Cavs going to, you know, put a little bit of a toll on on them coming into the night. And, you know, the 76ers have just been getting beat so bad lately. I mean, they're down yeah. like 20 points at the end of the half regularly. Uh, yeah. So, I, I'm taking the 76ers. I, I'm not taking them by a ton. Uh, not to win the game either, just to barely scratch. I think they'll lose by about eight. Uh, but they're my picks for tonight, and and I think that's one of the easier ones. Yeah, I think it's one of the easier ones. This is a tough one right here. Jazz at Celtics. This is tough because the line is brutal. Look, Jazz and Celtics are match up very evenly. You got a small team in the Celtics, yet they're very good. They play with the small ball. The Jazz are a big team with a lot of young talent. It's a tough one. It's going to be in the Garden. Boston's favored by five. That's where it's brutal for me. Any five-point line is always brutal for me, especially in games like this. And I picked Boston because, look, Boston's been playing great basketball. They've been playing unbelievable basketball. They're, they're favored by five, five and a half in some places. Um, I would take Boston because I think they're, they're just a better team in general. Who do you think in this one, Andrew? I'm sorry, who's Boston playing? They're playing Utah in Boston, and Boston's favored by five. Oof. I'm, uh, I'm going to go with Utah. I'm going to mix it up a little okay. bit. Uh, you know, I, I like uh, – I mean, I want to see Rodney Hood get hot versus Avery Bradley. When Rodney Hood's on fire, he's one of the more unstoppable players in the league. I mean, he just starts taking yeah. shots. Um so I'd like yeah. to see him against Dave Bradley when he's feeling it. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Utah on this one. I actually think they're going to win it outright. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they kept it close. That's why it's a brutal, brutal line, because I think this will be like a six to seven point ball game if Boston does win. If they lose, it's going to, I mean, if they lose, it, it, obviously they'll lose, but if they if they win close, that's where you'll lose the point, the money. But man, it's going to be a, that's a tough game to pick either way. Uh, anyway, the Rockets and Bucks. Rockets are favored by two. This game is in Milwaukee. Look, I, I'm picking Milwaukee based upon the fact that the Rockets are just so inconsistent. And with the length of guys like Jonas Antetokounmpo, 
uh, other guys on that team, they're going to find a way to at least slow down James Harden. And if you can slow down James Harden, you can pretty much slow down the entire Rockets team. I think the Bucks went out right, but the, but the Rockets are favored by two points. Andrew, who do you have in this one? I got the Rockets in this. Uh, I, I, they're just a better team. Even though their records are similar, I think the Rockets are just better. And I think that's, with a spread this small, I think that's kind of who you got to go with. Um, I'm going with the Rockets. I think James Harden is dropping 35. Yeah, I mean, it's going to it's really come down to James Harden and his performance, and if he gets it done, then I can see the Rockets getting a win. Uh, this game makes no sense to me. And this is, what's up? James Harden's performance is all that matters. Pretty much. I mean, it's pretty accurate there. Uh, this, this game makes no sense to me, this next one, and this is why it's my lock of the day. It's pretty obvious. The Nuggets are uh, the, the 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 Nuggets are playing the Grizzlies in Denver. Now look, if if the Grizzlies had Marcus All and if they had a full squad and a, and the team they had a year ago, I would say the Grizzlies, no doubt. But this Grizzlies team is is not good anymore. They may struggle to they may struggle to compete in the playoffs. I mean, they may not even win a game in the playoffs. That's how bad this team is right now, just considering what they have. And uh, the, the Nuggets have a really good frontman post with Nikola Jokic and a guy in Kenneth Fareed. And Danilo Garinari can shoot, and he's a big man as well. They've got, they've got a really, really good team in Denver that, that, that's not there yet. But when it comes to their talent, they can out-talent this Grizzlies team right now. And, and playing in Denver as Memphis being the two-and-a-half-point favorite, i got to take Denver all day plus the two-and-a-half. Who do you got, Andrew? I'm going to go with Denver. Um, if Gallinari gets 20-plus, I think that they definitely win. If Gallinari goes under 20, I think they lose. Uh, but I am going to pick Denver. I'm not as confident with it as you are. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's definitely odd that they're uh, they're not favored. And, you know, I hate going against Vegas when it's odd because Vegas always knows something. But uh, yeah. we'll, we'll go with Denver. Let's do it. Denver it is. Lock it up. All right, yeah, I like that lock. Uh, Thunder, two more games to go. Thunder Kings, Thunder are favored by seven. I had them at seven and a half. I'm taking the Thunder in the seven and a half. I think they're actually frustrated from Saturday night. I think they're going to they're gonna put it all on DeMarcus Cousins, and I'm really excited to watch two of my favorite players in the NBA in Russell Westbrook and DeMarcus Cousins duke it out. I know they won't be facing each other, but it'll be fun to watch those two guys run up and down the court. The Thunder are favored by seven. Take them. I think they'll dominate. This is the second game on NBA TV tonight. Who do you got, Andrew? Uh, I think the Thunder are emotionally broken. Um, you know, after Kevin Durant stupidly follows Andre Iguodala, and then Steph Curry hits a shot from freaking Disneyland. Um, but, but at the same time, they have that beast and that mental freak. As far as he probably pushed it aside and doesn't care about it now, and Russell Westbrook, who will either win or lose this game for them. He's either going to play terrific and win it, or he is going to turn the ball over nine times, okay? I'm taking the Thunder. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they win by seven points, though. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if that was a push either. I mean, the seven, that's why I have it at seven and a half on mine. I would take the seven and a half, but, yeah, either way, seven, seven and a half, it's going to be one of those games. If they win by eight, then clearly we cover the spread, but I think the Thunder are going to come out and play pretty pretty bonkers uh, in this one. It's going to be a fun one to watch, too, just from an entertainment perspective. Nets, Clippers, final game of the night. Clippers are favored by 13. Look, every time the Nets play somebody and they're big-time underdogs, they always 
it always seems like they find a way to at least keep it close and at least keep it close late. Does that mean they'll keep it close late and, the, and it won't be, you know, the, the Clippers won't win by 20? Yeah, sure. I mean, that might happen, but I would take the Nets plus the 13. Watch your money hang out on this one because I think, honestly, the Nets will just find a way to grit it out and keep it close. I don't think they'll win. I think the Clippers will win by 10, but 13 is a little much for me. Taking the Nets plus the 13. What about you, Andrew? Uh, uh, yeah, 13 is too high. I mean, that's a blowout, man. And yeah, just I don't feel comfortable ever predicting a blowout. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I can think there's gonna be a blowout, but if I'm gonna put my money at something, I'm not gonna go. Oh yeah, they're blowing them out tonight. They're just gonna completely. I mean, it's the NBA. There's there's talent all around. Now, I mean, I wonder how this team's gonna fare without Joe Johnson. Uh, you know, that's ISO Joe. Maybe they're better. Um, so I, I'm going to take the Nets, uh, but only because I don't feel comfortable predicting a blowout. Yeah, I mean, I there's times where I like blowouts, and this is one of those games where I'm like, eh, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I just think Brooke Lopez is going to find a way to compete with DeAndre Jordan down low. And I think if that becomes the case, then it becomes the Nets keeping it close. And they won't win. I don't think the Nets will win, but it'll be definitely a close game. Andrew, how much longer How much longer can you stay on? Uh, about five minutes. No, five minutes? Oh, cool. Well, let's talk some college basketball real quick before I get you out of here. Over the weekend, we had Villanova beat Marquette. Kansas beat Texas Tech. Texas beat Oklahoma. Big-time upset there. In the Big 12, obviously Texas keeping themselves alive in a big for a big-time high ranking in at least the Big 12 standings in the conference play coming up here for conference tournaments. They start tomorrow, by the way. North Carolina and Virginia, this was an outstanding ball game. Virginia held their ground, beating North Carolina 79-74 in a top-10 matchup, a big-time game there for the ACC. North Carolina still leads the ACC, but Virginia keeps themselves close with North Carolina in that one. Utah upsetting Arizona 70-64. to The Pac-12 is just just crazy loaded with talent this year. I mean, when it comes to just parity, it is parity-driven there in the Pac-12. Purdue upsets Maryland again. Maryland is kind of worrying me a little bit now. I love Maryland because their talent is unprecedented. They have two of the better players in, the, in, in NCAA in college basketball in Diamond Stone and Mello Trimble, but this team is starting to worry me a little bit. I mean, the Big Ten is not a slouch of a conference, and Maryland is ranked 10th in the country. They're 23-6. and six. They're fine. They're going to they're gonna do big. They're going to do big things in the tournament. I think they're still going to go far in the tournament. But this better wake them up because March is tomorrow, and if they can't play against teams like Purdue and beat Purdue, granted, they're playing Purdue on the road. That's tough. If they can't beat teams like Purdue, what is it going to say when they play a team on neutral turf who's, you know, a young out-of-nowhere team, out-of-conference, you know, young 14, 15, or uh, 13, 12 seed that comes out of nowhere and just destroys you. That could happen. And the way the Maryland Terps are playing as of late, they got to they gotta beat these teams that they should beat. They did it about a week, two weeks ago, but going into the tournaments and going into the conference play that we see, this Maryland Terps team I'm a little concerned about. Andrew, are you concerned about the Terps? Yeah, it, and really it's just because Melo Trimble has been – so damn inconsistent. Um, yeah. He can't make a shot in the first half of any game, any big game at least. Um, Rashid Suleiman hasn't looked fantastic. The only one who's looked great is uh, is Diamond Stone, and even him, he's had some off games. Um, yeah. They have a lot of work for the tournament, um, and it, it's just it's going to be. They're a team there that. 
they need their guards to get hot before March, or that could be one of the teams that gets upset in the first round. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I think that Maryland right now, I mean, they're ranked 10th in the country. They have top 10 talent, in my opinion, in all of college basketball. The rankings, we will not get to them today because clearly they'll be out here in about an hour, so we won't get to them today. Um, but, but we'll talk about those more tomorrow. But Maryland, again, they have top 10 talent, but the way they've been playing, they've been playing like a non-top 25 team, really. I mean, they've, they're 23-6, and six, but they're 11-5 and five in the Big Ten. They're still doing good. But recently, when I've been watching them play, it's been kind of eh. And you don't want to play eh going into the tournament because you'll see some teams come out of nowhere from, non, from teams and conferences we don't hear about often, and they might just upset some teams. And this is one of those years where I feel like there's going to be a lot of a lot of early upsets if you're not a one or two seed. I feel like the one and two seeds are going to dominate, but I feel like if you're in that three, four, five slot, you're, you've got your work cut out for you because there are some major well, teams coming in from smaller conferences this year. Yeah, this is uh, the thing. I think this is the year. It's any year a 16 seed has a chance. Uh, I agree. This year, this is the most losses in the history of the top ten, okay? And we've still got plenty of games to go. Um, there's never like uh, it, it's passed them up, and it, it looks like they're going to beat them by about 20 losses when it's all said and done. Um, yeah. So I think if a 15 or 16 seed's got a shot, this is the year. Do I think it'll happen? No. Will I put it on my bracket? No. But hey, how many? How there's been two years in a row where the first game. My bracket got busted. Okay, the first game, it was Dayton against Ohio State two years ago, and then I believe it was Baylor versus, uh, or maybe Iowa State versus somebody last year. So yeah. it's, oh, dude, that's, it's madness. It, it really is. It's it the is. definition, lives up to the name, and it's, it's the best, especially that first weekend, best four games, four day stretch in sports. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no debate there. I mean, it's it's one of those days where Vegas gets just – it just racks up its prices when it comes to hotels. It, it, it gets crazy. Uh, and on top of that, conference play is nothing to sneeze at as well. Louisville, we'll talk about that in a moment. Miami beats – Miami of Florida beats Louisville 73-65 in Miami, a big-time game there on senior night. Uh, obviously, the big-time stuff there. Angel Rodriguez, Rodriguez he – I don't think he'll go to the NBA, but he'll definitely be a solid player in the D League if he decides to keep playing basketball when he leaves Miami. Uh, West Virginia, 70, 70 to 56 win over Oklahoma State. Kentucky gets upset by Vanderbilt, 74-62. That's not a good loss for Kentucky at all heading into this, this ending into March. Iowa State beats Kansas State. They're now 20-9, and heading deep into the portion of the Pac-12, Big 12. Baylor beats TCU, Texas A&M over Missouri. And Notre Dame gets upset by Florida State, 77-56. Absolute domination. Again, I, I, I'm telling you, this is – this March is going to be insane. And Xavier lost to Seton Hall, 90-81, to to a big-time win for Seton Hall to get their chances of getting into, the, getting into the tournament. They're there right there with that win. That's a big-time victory for them heading into the Big East tournament. Michigan State beats Penn State. Ohio State upsets Iowa. Iowa, number eight in the country, now 20-8. and eight. Ohio State's not even ranked. They're 19-11. and 11. It's that close, people. I'm telling you, the top 40 – it should be a top 40 in college basketball right now. Oregon beats Washington 86-73. to Duke loses to Pittsburgh 76-62. And SMU beats Tulane 74-53. Look, and starting tomorrow, today obviously we have a big game, Kansas against Texas in the Big 12. They still have a couple of regular season games to finish out in some of these conferences. But conferences play 
in the tournaments start tomorrow, and one of those game, one of those tournaments is the uh, Atlantic Sun, and that's March first. That'll start on ESPN two tomorrow. I don't know the exact times, but I'll give you the scores uh, on Wednesday night or Wednesday morning, obviously when that game comes through. And then another tournament starting tomorrow is the Patriot League. So thirty two conferences starting their leagues. Obviously, Ivy League doesn't have their conference tournament but all other 31 leagues do. It's going to be insane here over the next couple of weeks, leading up to, to Selection Sunday. Andrew, uh, anything else you want to say on the world of college basketball before we uh, – really, before we just get out of here? We're out of here soon. Yep, yep, real quick, because I, I do got to get out of here pretty quick. Um, everybody who's not aware, there's a there's a pretty local school around here, Oakland University, almost beat Michigan State yes, two yes. weeks back. Um, K. Felder, the point guard of Oakland. I mean, this school is probably 10 minutes away from my house. Uh, he's legit, man. That guy's going pro. Right now he's projected as a mid-second rounder. And that's another thing, by the way, we'll have on the YouTube page. I will be doing mock drafts. I just got to figure out a way to get film and do everything right. Um, but right. Kay Felder, right now projected as a mid-second round pick. Only reason he's not in the top 20 is because he's 5'9". This guy's special. Go look him up a little bit. Fuck, my girlfriend was actually his waitress the other day. Um, but go look him up because he's legit, man. He's real. He's he's the oh, real deal, and he'll be in the post sooner than later. Oakland is no joke. Oakland is no joke. They're thirteen and five in the Horizon League standings. They're tied for second and only four ga- three games back of Valparaiso. Look, they're no, they're no joke. They can win the Horizon League tournament this year and jump into the into the tournament, and they can make a big time splash. Who knows? Maybe they get into a Sweet 16 if they get a pretty favorable uh, seating and they play a pretty uh, beatable team. And let's be honest, like I said, Andrew, outside of maybe – I'm going to say outside of maybe one or two teams, three teams that I can think of that will probably be number one seeds, number two seeds, I'm telling you, I think, I think we're going to see a lot of three – three and 14 upsets this year. We're going to see a lot of those three, 14, 12, four. We're going to see a lot of that. I think that's going to happen a lot, but ultimately I still think chalk is going to come through, but I think ultimately those lower seeds are going to have a lot of struggles because teams like Oakland, you got these other conference leading teams that I see, they all have chances this year to really compete with the big boys. I think this could be actually one of the craziest March madnesses we ever see in college basketball. Andrew, man, I know you got to get back to work. Have a good one, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Peace. All right, man. Have a good one. Long show today, obviously, on the leap day of 2016, 2016. If you'd like to call in, please feel free to do so. The phone number is 323-642-1558. And speaking of college basketball, obviously, we just talked about the NBA. We just talked about our picks. We just gave our picks uh, in the middle of the show. Like I said tonight on college basketball, Kansas, Texas, big game there. The rankings, we'll talk about them tomorrow. I forgot to ask Andrew about who he thought his player of the week would be in, call, in, in the world of the NBA. My opinion, I think it's going to be a guy like um, like uh, like Steph Curry's going to get it. Clearly what he's been doing has been unbelievable. I think he'll get player of the week this week in the NBA. In the Eastern Conference, man, that's brutal. I got to give it to Kyle Lowry, though. What he did on Friday night was unbelievable. And with how the guy's been playing overall, he's been playing outstanding basketball. So Kyle Lowry and Steph Curry are my players of the week to pick in the world of basketball for this week. I guarantee you I'll get Steph Curry right, but I don't know about the Eastern Conference. That was really up in the air. Conference recap. Now, some of these are currently champions in their conference but some of them haven't even begun, or some of them haven't even finished yet, so they still have a couple of games in this week to play it out until their conference tournament begins. Like I said, the Patriot League begins coming up. 
And uh, the uh, I believe what conference did I say it was that's starting as well? We have the America, uh, the Atlantic Sun Conference. So they're going to be starting uh, their tournament coming up here tomorrow. Uh, so the Atlantic Sun, who won the regular season Atlantic Sun championship? The Atlantic Sun Conference, North Florida won the regular season championship in the Atlantic Sun standings, 10-4, and 21-10 overall. They're the number one seed heading into that conference tournament starting tomorrow. And then in the Patriot League, who won the Patriot League regular season? Bucknell, 14-4, 17-12 overall. They're the number one seed heading into the Patriot League standings. All the other, all the other teams played. I believe Stony Brook won the America East standings. They're 14-2, 23-6 overall. They won the America East standings, in my opinion, in the regular season. SMU and Temple, I think they still have a couple games left, but SMU and Temple are tied at the top spot in the American standings. Atlantic 10 standings. St. Joseph's and VCU are tied at 13-3 in the, Atlantic's 10, in the Atlantic 10 standings. In the ACC standings, Miami of Florida and North Carolina are tied at 12-4. Virginia and Louisville tied at 11-5 right behind them. Uh, North Florida, again, like I mentioned, Atlantic Sun standings champions for the regular season. Kansas, 13-3, and lead two games up on West Virginia in the Big 12. They've won, apparently, a share of the Big 12 standings in the regular season. I think they've ultimately won it out flat out. They can do it tonight, beating Texas. Big East standings, Villanova, 14-2, and one game up, two, a game and a half up on Xavier. It looks like Villanova is going to be the one that takes the Big East standings this year. Weber State, 14-2, and leads the Big Sky standings. They are, I believe, one game up on Montana, and those are really the two teams fighting to win the Big Sky standing regular season. Big South standings, Winthrop and High Point are tied at the top in the Big South standings, the Big Ten standings. Indiana is two games up on Michigan State. It looks like they're going to take their regular season championship. The Big West, Hawaii is one game up on UC Irvine and two games up on Long Beach State. Uh, UNC Wilmington is 14-4, and four, tied with Hofstra. At 14 and 4, the Colonial Athletic Standings. We got a guy on Twitter who will come onto our show at some point, and we'll talk about that conference and talk about their conference uh, championship coming up here soon. UAB is a three, two and a half games up on Louisiana Tech. They're 14 and 2 in conference, 24 and 5 overall. Valparaiso, like I mentioned, three games up on Oakland. It looks like they're going to win the Horizon League standings regular season, but that conference should be incredible this year in the conference tournament. Uh, Ivy League standings, Yale is one game up, a half game up on Princeton. I don't know if they play any more games in the, in the Ivy League standings, but we'll get you that championship standing here later on. They do not play a conference tournament because obviously the Ivy League has Harvard and all those other uh, Ivy League schools. They're, they they actually, actually go to school and they actually work hard in the classroom. The MAAC standings, Monmouth is one game up on Iona. Uh, in the Mid-American standings in the eastern portion, Akron is one game up on Ohio. West, the western side, Ball State, is one game up on Central Michigan. Hampton, in the MEAC standings, Hampton is up one game on South Carolina State at 12-2, and two, one game up over South Carolina State, who's at 11-4. and four. Wichita State, they're going to win the Missouri Valley standings, 16-2 overall, 23-7 overall, 16-2 in conference. Looks like they're going to win that one. Their Mountain West standings, San Diego State, is three games up on Fresno State. They're going to win the Mountain West standings there. The Northeast standings, Wagner is three games up, or two, two, two games up, on Fairlane Dickinson and a whole bunch of other teams there. Looks like they're going to get it done there in the Northeast standings. Ohio Valley standing. Tennessee Martin and Murray State are still tied in the West. And then you got Belmont, one game up on Tennessee State in the East. The Pac-12 standings. Oregon is a half game up on Utah, and they're a game up on California in the Pac-12. Obviously, Arizona and Colorado are hanging right behind them with a couple games back. Bucknell 
again, winning the Patriot League standings, 14-4, and 17-12 overall. SEC standings, Texas A&M and Kentucky are tied for the SEC championship game, and LSU and Vanderbilt and South Carolina are all right there behind them in the SEC one game back. It looks like the SEC is about to wrap it up here in the next a couple of days. Chattanooga is a half game up on East Tennessee State in the southern standings. Um, and then you got Southland standing. Stephen F. Austin, 15-0 in conference, 22-5 and overall. Looks like they're going to wrap it up there in the Southland, the SWAC conference. Texas Southern is 14-1, uh, two-and-a-half games up on Alcorn State in the SWAC standings. They're going to take that one there in the SWAC. Summit League standings, South Dakota State and IPFW are now tied for the conference lead at 12-4. and The Sun Belt standings have Arkansas Little Rock. They are three games up. Two and a half games up on Arkansas, Little Rock. And then you have the West Coast standings. St. Mary's and Gonzaga are still tied. Two games up on BYU, both of them. And then New Mexico State at 12-1. and one. Two games up on Grand Canyon. It looks like they're going to take the WAC standings. So those are your complete standings in the world of college basketball. Like I said, Patriot League and the um, um, Atlantic Suns Conference are going to have their, they're going to have their uh, tournament starting here tomorrow, and we will recap every single tournament game for you. Intro to the YouTube video will begin tomorrow. We will get that up for you as soon as possible. My name is Simo Buckets. Thank you again for listening. We have about a minute left on the show, and like I said, episode 81 is in the books. So thank you again for listening. Episode 81, a long one, a very long one. I thank you again for listening. A lot of things happen in this show. Tomorrow, episode 82, the first day of March, and March Madness gets it going. We will have a YouTube video for you, an introductory video. We will have multiple people on the YouTube channel, the Hooper's Log YouTube channel, putting up videos to help promote what it is about basketball and everything that has to go with the world of basketball. Expect that and anticipate that because it will be coming up sooner than later. Thank you again for listening, everybody. Episode 82 tomorrow, same time, same place, new time, 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, 12 p.m. Eastern. Don't anticipate shows to be this long throughout the rest of the year, but they will be long tomorrow. We will give our top 10 white boys performances of the month of February tomorrow. We'll talk about conference standings. We'll talk about the college basketball world. We'll get into everything for you tomorrow and talk about anything breaking news-wise in the NBA. Thank you again for listening, everybody. Enjoy the basketball tonight.